Thank you for listening to the Lake Murray Baptist Church podcast. Lake Murray Baptist Church is a Southern Baptist church located in Lexington, South Carolina. Our aim is to be a church committed to the Great Commandment and the Great Commission, and this podcast is a resource for our members who are seeking to live in light of the gospel among their neighbors and the nations. Welcome to this episode of the Lake Murray Baptist Church podcast. Thanks for listening. Today, we have the opportunity to dive into a little bit more in-depth some of what we talked about on Sunday morning in our most recent sermon from the Entrusted series, A Study in 1 Timothy. This past Sunday, we started 1 Timothy chapter 2, and so if you haven't had a chance to listen to that sermon, take a minute or maybe 30 of them and go back and listen to the sermon from this past Sunday, because most of what we're going to discuss here in the next few minutes on this episode will be going a little bit more in-depth into some of the things that we discussed on Sunday. And so two of the primary questions that I got coming out of the text on Sunday, uh, one had to do with uh, the relationship between church and state and Christian civic responsibility, and the other one had to do with the desires of God. Uh, So I want to kind of take them one at a time. So let's begin here. How does this passage, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, help to shape the relationship between church and state and also Christian civic responsibility? Um, There's an old bumper sticker that reads, separation of church and state is good for both. Uh, I remember seeing that bumper sticker as a kid, not really understanding it, uh, but I think there's a lot of truth to this. Uh, historically, when the church and the government have become intertwined, it has not gone well for either. Uh, however, although separated, there is this kind of reciprocal relationship of sorts between the two. And I think it's imperative that the church, uh, that Christians really be- understand the relationship between the church and the state. And that the separation of church and state doesn't mean that faith cannot or does not influence laws or policy. In fact, nothing I think could be further from the truth because we are, we are called to bring our faith to bear in all areas and all arenas, including government. Uh, but what the separation of church and state does, and I think this is a, a great thing, uh, is that it restricts the government from establishing a state religion or infringing on the free practice of religion among its citizens. But we cannot separate people from laws because laws reflect to seek and apply the values of certain groups of people. And so as Christians, I think we should take our civic responsibility seriously, and we should seek to create and pass and lobby for laws that reflect the character of God and promote the common good. But we also have to recognize that we must do this within the system of government that's been established by the United States Constitution that protects religious liberty for all people. Now, I mentioned on Sunday that there is this kind of reciprocal relationship of sorts between the church and the state. Uh, Each of these have responsibility to people and to one another, and they were established by God to really promote the common good. And so what responsibilities do we have as Christians? Uh, The primary one I think laid out in 1 Timothy chapter 2 is to pray. Uh, As Christians, we are called to pray for our leaders and for our government officials. Uh, We should pray that they would uphold their God-given responsibility to protect peace and to promote the common good, uh, to pass laws that promote justice, to protect us from evil, uh, to work against civil disorder, all of these things that we recognize good government does. 
but I think that uh, just a side note here, Paul doesn't just limit this to governing officials. I think he says that we pray for kings and all those who are in high positions. And so this doesn't just limit our prayers to those who are in the government, although he is specifically speaking of those. I think we can think of anybody who is in a position of authority over us, uh, particularly a, a, an employer or uh, if, if you're a, a child, a parent or a teacher. Uh, and so we, we want to look to pray for those who are in all positions of authority. But specifically, when we talk about the government, we have a responsibility as Christians to pray for those who are leading us, and pray that the Lord uh, would lead them to exercise wisdom in the way that they govern. And so the first primary responsibility of every believer is to pray for our leaders. Secondly, as Christians, uh, we have a responsibility, and I think the privilege of voting for laws and lawmakers who we feel best represent the values and the truths of the Scriptures. I just personally believe, I don't think there's a scripture that can back this up, but I personally believe that every Christian should be registered to vote because this is another way that we both exercise our civic responsibility and it's an act of thankfulness to God for the gift of living in a free country. There are people who live in countries all around the world that do not have the uh, ability and the freedom to vote that you and I have, the ability and freedom to speak into um, government decisions and who their leaders will be. And this has been a gift of God's common grace to us as Americans and as Christians and as citizens, we should, I believe, take advantage of this opportunity that we have been given. Uh, and so it's a, it's a way that we exercise civic responsibility, but it's also a way of living in thankfulness. And, and if we're going to vote, we should be informed about the issues I think that this means we should seek out reputable sources of information on candidates, on policies, and on laws. Now, I recognize that this is a little bit easier said than done in our current age because so much of the media on both sides of the political spectrum is driven by a political agenda and, and really, just to be honest, a thirst for power. Uh, so let me give you just two things that I would just say to you as a means or as a way of kind of helpful tips. First of all, I talked touched on this a little bit on Sunday. Avoid news sources that are always negative and are seeking to divide by stirring up hatred and fear towards those who disagree with them. Now, listen, there's always going to be disagreement, and there should be, and perhaps at times even passionate disagreement. But when disagreement devolves into constant disparagement of the other side, it, it really begins to adversely affect the minds and the hearts of its hearers. And so I would just say, as if you're a member at Lake Murray, I would just say as your pastor, just be wary of always listening to loud, angry, divisive Voices, because over time, whether you know it or not, you begin your your guard begins to get worn down, and you can begin to not only disagree with someone but to actually hate them. And so, it's really important that as believers, we kind of seek to avoid news sources that are always 
basing their news on uh, divisiveness, on fear, on hatred, and and really seeking to stir up animosity and division uh, in every opportunity that they have. Uh, secondly, I would just say, look for sources, and this is a little bit difficult, but not impossible. I think there, I'll give you an example in just a minute. Look for sources who are seeking to see the world through the lens of the gospel and a worldview that is rooted in the scripture. So I'll just give you one. Uh, obviously, we are a Southern Baptist church, and so the Ethics and Religious Liberties Commission uh, is the policy wing of the Southern Baptist Convention. And, and I really believe that the ERLC does a tremendous job of equipping uh, Southern Baptists, but, but really all Christians in regards to current issues in the government. Uh, one thing that I would actually... Uh, um, commend to you is to go to the ERLC ERLC website. Uh, They recently published a piece on their 2022 public policy agenda, the things that they are praying over, working towards, lobbying Congress towards. And, And I believe it really gives a great overview of issues that Christians should be aware of and informed about that are coming before uh, the United States Congress this year. And so I would just commend to you the work that the ERLC does uh, really in giving a uh, a scriptural, I think, uh, well-balanced uh, take on current issues that Christians should be praying over and, and should be aware of. And so uh, it's important that as Christians, we have a biblical understanding of the relationship between church and state and that we take seriously our civic responsibility to pray and to vote and that we are informed about the issues that will directly impact our country, community, and churches. We desperately need prayerfully engaged, actively serving, and actively serving church in the the modern political process. I want to move now from that question into a second question. So after verses 1 and 2, where Paul calls uh, on the church to pray for all people, including kings and those who are in high positions, in verse 3 and 4, he says that this is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Uh, So this has been a verse that has caused some confusion and consternation down really throughout church history. Uh, Different groups and theologians have thought to uh, or have sought to interpret this in different ways to kind of fit their own theological constructs uh, in regards to soteriology. And so so let me begin here by clarifying what this verse does not mean. Uh, This is not a verse that confirms universalism. Uh, Universalism is is the belief that all people, regardless of whether or not they come to faith in Christ, will be saved. Now, we have to read the scriptures within context, meaning we have to interpret the scriptures through the scriptures. Uh, And so we can look at all of the other writings of the Apostle Paul in the New Testament and recognize that certainly the Apostle Paul was not a universalist. However, on the other hand, When Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, his usage of the words or the phrase all people was really meant to push back on this group of nationalistic Jews in the church in Ephesus who believed that God only wanted to save a very narrow group of people, specifically the Jews. And so Paul's usage here of all people really encompasses the heart of God for and the salvation of Jesus to all nations. And so I think we can affirm what the scripture affirms in the sense that God uh, created the world, that he loves those who have been created in his image, and it is his desire that all would come to faith in Jesus Christ. And that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, who, who calls out 
in faith to Jesus can be saved. And though God desires it, and the offer of salvation is available to all men, we recognize the reality that not all men choose to place their faith in Jesus for salvation. And so the question then becomes, is there some deficiency in God then that that he desires something but cannot bring it to pass? Or does the power of salvation truly lie in the hands of men so that we can receive or reject God's salvation in Christ by our own strength? But if this is the case, how do we reconcile the passages of Scripture throughout the Old Testament and New Testament that deal with God's sovereignty, his rule in salvation, meaning that he elects or chooses some to be saved? And so there's this litany of questions that arise, however one determines to interpret this passage. And there are numerous ways that men have kind of sought throughout church history to interpret it within their own theological frameworks. But what remains clear in this is that regardless of how we choose to interpret the words desire and all and saved, we seemingly arrive at a contradiction. Um, You see, some have sought to put Jesus and Paul at odds over this. But Jesus, I believe too, in his teaching, affirms both God's sovereignty in salvation and human responsibility. Uh, in, In one instance, Jesus invites all to come to him. But in another instance, he says that no one can come to him unless the Father draws them to him. So why is it that some do not turn to Christ? Because they will not or because they cannot? And Jesus, it seems, he seems to teach both. And and so we've arrived at an interesting place in the scriptures. Uh, We've arrived at what is known as an antinomy. And an antinomy is two assertions that appear contradictory, yet are both true. And when we arrive at an apparent contradiction in our minds over divine sovereignty and human responsibility— The choice, I believe, is not to decide between either or, but to affirm both and. You see, whenever we look in the Bible in regards to salvation, we see this tension between God's sovereignty and human responsibility. We see it even here in this passage. And the correct response, I think, is to not try and pick one and do away with the other, or to try to pit Jesus and Paul against one another, but to affirm both as true while recognizing that at the present time, our minds are limited to understand how these two ideas work in harmony within the mind and the will of God. Now, to some, this may feel like a cop-out, but to affirm the Bible as true in all things, even in things that in our minds appear contradictory, is not ducking the question, but an example of theological and epistemological humility. There are some things that we will not and indeed cannot fully understand within the limits of being finite creatures. So we acknowledge that God is God and that his thoughts and ways are higher than ours and that we, by God's grace, are both chosen and responsible. I hope that this episode of the pod has been helpful and encouraging, and we will see you again next week. 
And a special thank you to you, the members of Lake Mary Baptist Church, and to all of our listeners. Remember, this podcast and the other ministries of Lake Mary Baptist Church are brought to you by the generous tithes and offerings of our church membership. To give to the ministries of Lake Mary Baptist Church, you can follow the link in the description. For more information about Lake Mary Baptist Church, you can always visit our church website, www.lakemurraybc.org. Remember to subscribe to this podcast. By subscribing, you'll be notified whenever a new pod is posted. We hope that you'll join us again next time as we seek to live in light of the gospel in the places where God has placed us for his glory, our joy, and others' good.